nomine patres et fili et spiritu sancti we are gathered here today to lay to rest the 2018 philadelphia phillies i am dave diorio welcome to potadelphia you can find me on twitter at fat underscore lobster and i am joined by one guy who loves analytics and another who loves annie lennox and i'll let you decide who's who <laughs> Chuck Siders and Gene Zilak. What's up, guys? Hey, Dave. How's it going? This is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders, and you can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak, and you can usually find me under a table in Ashburn Alley. It's over. It's done. We don't have to worry about the 2018 Philadelphia Phillies anymore. No longer at 7 p.m. do you have to put on nbc sports philadelphia and watch the philadelphia phillies it's done we're under 500 now we're mathematically eliminated we have a an e next to our name in the standings now kaput it's over i, I love the fact that you say we don't have to worry about the phillies now that's like saying you don't have to worry about being arrested because you're already sitting in jail you know or you don't have to worry about getting a girl pregnant because you're already married <laughs> Or you don't have to worry about getting her pregnant because she's already pregnant. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So for me personally, I would just have to say that this is the worst case scenario of, like, I told you so ever. Like, I, I from from jump, was anti-Gabe. I don't know. This I guess this is how you feel, like, if you hate the president and you just, like, want him to fail. So you just basically want your country to go down the toilet along with them. I'm kind of in that existential crisis with the Phillies right now. Um, but it's the it's the bitterest I told you so I think I've ever told you so. <laughs> I'm not quite there. The only thing I'm there on the I told you so front was I kept expecting us to come back to reality, you know, through the first few months of the season, I was like, this is fun. This is awesome. We are not this good. This is fun. This is awesome. We're going to be a little more mediocre soon. I was not expecting the complete collapse that happened. So but, it, what, what what is reality for this team? It, it, I mean, I, I guess you would have to assume that neither one of these identities is the true reality of the team. Because don't tell me they're this bad. Are no, they this I, bad? No, they aren't this bad, and they weren't that good. I, I mean, I, I think we overachieved when we did, and now, now we're just horrible. Now we, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday. Currently, we're losing nine nothing to the Rockies. Um, but oh, well, who who gives a damn about that? Because. For the last two weeks, we've played teams that actually showed a sense of urgency. Yeah, and we haven't shown a sense of urgency since, what, the first week of August? I mean, you got four months where the starting pitching totally carries and covers everything this dumbass does with the team. Don't What, what was the week where the offense carried the day? Uh, I think it was sometime in February against uh, Florida State. <laughs> Did every one of these guys have a career year? I mean, Nick Pavetta, Velasquez. I mean, what, what 
these guys are not that good. They all logged a lot of innings. If you go down the roster and see how many innings these guys pitched, you'd be you would never have expected at the beginning of the year that maybe you would have thought Nola would have gotten close to 200 innings, but I think three out of the five all logged 200 plus innings, which is incredible. You you would you expect to see that from a team like the the 2010 team or the 2011 team? You know, teams stocked with aces. Um, and none of them missed, uh, like, a significant amount of time. Uh, the only one was, was Vinny, and I think it was, what, two weeks with that forearm, which yeah, is still when, the best play of the whole season. Happen? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and the, the bullpen was, I mean, it had its moments, but you, uh, you, had, to, you had to have expected worse out of this bullpen. I will say this. Maybe the, the, the last positive thing I will say, and Chuck's probably going to bristle at this, Maybe the comeback story of the year is Hector Neris, considering what we were saying about him in May versus how he has been the last couple of weeks. No, I, I don't bristle at that. I agree with that. I I hated Neris. Um, like, to start the season, I thought, well, he's the reason we're losing all these games when we were still a winning team. And they sent him to the Lehigh Valley, and I'm like, good, let him stay there. But when he came back up, the second time when he came back up the second time he was a different pitcher you know he was someone you could rely on uh in the bullpen you know the inverse of that was what sir anthony yeah who by the beginning of august was completely unreliable yeah i mean but i mean it doesn't matter that we jerked him around and said you're the closer who occasionally pitches in the fifth inning or sixth (laughs) inning or seventh inning you know that doesn't matter it's you You're know, the that's... most important pitcher. Is the MIP? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he gets a pat on the head and said, "Well, this is the most important part of the game." And you go out there and pitch, and some other guy's going to get the stat that's going to get you paid, though. Yeah. So here go we ahead. have an organization. We have an organization that is uh, decides to be totally focused on analytics. Two decades too late, by the way. <laughs> two decades too late on this uh but now we're going to be totally focused on analytics we have a general manager matt clentak who is uh, fully supportive of this and and we have a manager that is uh also 100 uh, bought in uh, who also on the day that you finally fall to 500 after being 15 games over 500 in early august uh announces he's keeping his entire staff because damn it, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Why change anything? Yeah, don't make don't make any drastic moves because you wouldn't want to shake this boat. Yeah, let's just dive into Gabe. I mean, <laughs> like every topic we touch on is going to cover well, Gabe. But let's <laughs> an invitation. Okay. Dive into Gabe. No. The, the coconut oil helps. But uh... let's get all lathered up for Gabe here. Yeah. I mean, what are we totally down the wrong path? Have we lost our way? Have we lost our baseball compass? I'm not necessarily anti-analytics. My problem is I don't like that analytics becomes the catch-all for any bad decision that gets made. I don't like the fact that he uses that as well. The you know the analytics or the the you know this this is the matchup we liked. No, it was a terrible decision. It was a terrible decision. Just own some of your mistakes. You shouldn't have pulled X pitcher in X inning. Um, you shouldn't. Ha- I don't understand half of his lineups. Um, I most have the biggest problem with 
how he sets his defense up. Why there is no such thing as a natural position on this team boggles my mind. I just don't understand it. Why are people being moved around, shifted around? Why was Carlos Santana playing third base? I just don't understand. I keep coming back to how can you treat people like they are numbers on a page or, you know, sprites in a video game, like with just attributes that you just, I don't know, move around the baseball diamond as you see fit. You know, I mean, like in fantasy baseball, yeah, you can you can play Carlos Santana third base all year next year because he logged enough games this season to qualify. But like, you can't do that in real life. Just like you can't have Vince Velasquez pinch running from second base. <laughs> no, Just uh, like you can't have Scott Kingery throwing 45 miles an hour pitching in a baseball game. <laughs> no, but Dave, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, I was sort of sitting back waiting for you to make this point that you've touched on like throughout the season. It, analytics are great, but common sense baseball sense has to lead the way the fact that analytics should shed light on something you didn't already know that says hey you know what this guy is a great hitter with men on base you know maybe that means we move him up in the lineup okay great awesome wonderful use of analytics but he might suck as a leadoff hitter like the numbers say oh Okay, that was a poor example. I said man on base and leadoff hitter. Fine. Let's say he has a great on base percentage. Great on base percentage, and he's hitting, you know, fifth in the lineup. And go, all right, well, let's move him to 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 leading off. And if the guy sucks at leading off, the guy is apprehensive. If he's second guessing what he's doing, common sense tells you, let's move him back in the lineup. I don't see common sense on this team. I don't see the fact that he is managing people, that that they have expectations, that they need to be treated like human beings ever come into play. Well, analytics tells you what has happened. It doesn't necessarily tell you what will happen. And I think it's a tool in a toolbox. So let's say the tool in this the analytics is like a, a, a monkey wrench. And that's the only tool that Gabe uses. He's out there painting a fence with a monkey wrench. Right. <laughs> he doesn't have anything else. Like, he's got no... What What other attributes does he give to this team positively? Like, we can rip him, but, like, is there anything... Can you think of anything good? Can you think of any positive thing that you're like, Gabe really does bring this attribute to the team? Because I'm struggling. I can't think of anything where I'm going, you know what, he really does garner some sort of... Uh, support from the, the the from the guys. They they seem to have a good morale around him. This is a team that was gutless most of the year. Anytime they came into a series that was important for them to play well, except for maybe the two series against Boston where they showed up and you know looked kind of like a professional baseball team against the best team in baseball. Um, I can't think of a, a, an important series since like July where I was like. Damn, they really put up a hell of a fight. Uh, they the really... Dodgers series was the last one. Yeah, There were a lot of comebacks, and we thought, okay, maybe that says something about the team. Maybe you know, the fact that they're like never out of a game says, all right, Gabe's doing something well. But this team has flat-out 
quit in a pennant race. You know, and I think I think at one point you might you might have convinced me to say, well, he's he's always supportive of his players. He doesn't like railroad any of his players, doesn't throw them under the bus. But as someone who's managed teams in the past, not sports teams, but managed teams of people, you know, do you think Aaron Nola appreciates Gabe's support of the bullshit that Odubel Herrera is doing out there in the field? <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the guys who are doing it right want the guys who aren't doing it right called to the mat. And I don't know that that's going on in this clubhouse. The clubhouse just seems totally turned off right now. And Jake Arrieta, for sure, is not the kind of guy that appreciates that kind of goofy stuff. Like, no. He Hell has no. been outspoken about it as much as anybody can be without causing a big shockwave through a locker room. But I think that he is really looking around going, like, how did I get myself into this mess? No, and I, I completely agree. Like, Gabe's temperament would be great for a team of hotheads. You know, if if you have, you know, someone leading off somebody, you know, just really getting in their own head of like, man, I screwed this up, you know, slamming. I or I'll go back to hockey. Uh, we are 13 minutes in the show before I go to hockey. <laughs> but I think of Claude Giroux and Peter Laviolette, Peter Laviolette, intense guy, Claude Giroux, intense player and. It, it compounded upon itself. He needs somebody a little bit more even-tempered to go, hey, take it down. You don't need to be this intense every play. You don't need to put this much pressure on yourself. If if this was the Phillies lineup, if it was a lineup of hotheads, lineup of guys going, you know, like Arietta, like Arietta going, no, put it all out there, um, you know, putting that on themselves, and you had the cool uh, – manager that makes sense but it's a team that doesn't seem like they give a damn and gabe's just like you know happy-go-lucky even temperament guy i i said before i'll say it again i don't i can't point to a single damn thing that he's brought to this team that makes them better a scapegoat he's provided them a a convenient scapegoat Percent chance he's going somewhere this this offseason 0.0 he's not going anywhere i don't see him moving uh, I, I'd say uh, 25% chance he leaves if someone like Harper uh, uh, Machado is interested in coming here but doesn't like him as a manager. I think if it doesn't affect us landing you know, a free agent or potential free agent, um, he's going to stick around because it's only been one year. But the the team has quit on him. The team has quit on him. Like these last few weeks have been embarrassing, and it's you know uh, we were talking about a uh, outline going uh, about the show before we started, and Dave, one of your points was, were you excited for the uh, Brave series? And I was. I fell for it. I was excited. The team didn't give a shit. The team wasn't ready to play. The team had already accepted their fate as losers. Yeah, it was tall stakes, but man, I would love to see some urgency. I honestly man. think game one of that series was it. Was was it? And and Gabe didn't bring in Naris when he should have brought in Naris in that game. And and I don't know that it cost them, but it certainly lowered their chances of winning that game. And I think if they won that game, um, 
things would have things may have gone a little differently uh, for the rest of that series. Uh, but I, I, I looked like they had some fight in them in that first game because they knew like this was our this was our chance. Just take it as a playoff series uh, and good. Just go for broke every. I mean, he was saying all the right things uh, before that first game. Um, you know, like hey, everyone's available. We're gonna play it like like there is no tomorrow. Um, you know, we're not saving anyone for the next day. We're just going to go for broke and try to win. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> the the philosophy was there, and I'm sure he was trying to convey that to the players. But once they lost the first game, it was just like, forget this. Do you credit the players? And they don't even show up for Nola. No. I mean, I that's yeah. – the, And they and haven't shown up for him for a month. Because he's on a race for 20, and they don't even show up for him on the Sunday game. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where, where do they get quit from? Like, why do they give up? I, I can't – pinpoint the moment I, I can think of times where i was like man if they could just show a little life but i just i don't know where this quit comes from i don't know either i mean i just i can't figure it out like why you would just roll over like that when you have such a golden opportunity i mean even if you intellectually realize that the team is not that good like we're above where we should be right now well but are I mean, we though? As a competitive athlete, like seize that opportunity and just finish the damn thing. I mean, you're so close to the end. But how many of us sitting in February said that this team is maybe a 500 team? Aren't we exactly where we thought we would be? We are. I mean, uh, well, I think we're going to finish below 500. I think my uh, my goal, my goal, <laughs> my hope for the team uh, before the season was over 500. But when you're yeah, 15 was... games over 500 in the beginning of August, I mean, your expectations are allowed to change a little bit. Yeah, no, I no, agree. I agree. But that's the thing is, like you were saying early, is are we as good as we were at the beginning and are we as bad as we are now? And I think that the the thing that we have never found was any kind of consistent personality. We never found any kind of... And maybe that's why people had such a hard time falling in love with this team. Do you remember when we were talking in August, saying, you know, when are you going to fall in love with this team? When are people going to pay attention? I think everybody knew this whole time that what we were seeing when they were playing well was as bogus as, as this losing streak yeah, is. He's a, he's a snake oil salesman. That this was, total, was a total canard. Yeah, this was all bogus. It was not a team worth falling in love with because you fall in love with teams because you really believe that that's the reason why the 2007 team became as endearing as they were is because they did things to make you believe in them. They beat that Mets team the way they beat them at the end of the year to get into the playoffs and that endeared that team to you so that then in 2008 you were already fully committed to the relationship I, i'm gonna call a little bit of bullshit on this just because maybe let's say there are four tiers of phillies fans and i'm doing this off the top oh, of my I head there this is gonna be good all right what do we got <laughs> <laughs> there's the diehards who, who are going to follow them year in, year out. And that is a small percentage. So that's us. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not even certain. I eh, Well, I, let's see what tier two is. Okay. If I, if I'm in tier one. But definitely you and Gene are in tier one. I might be in tier one. There's the diehards who follow year in, year out. Uh, then there are the baseball fans, you know, who want to like this team 
And I, I'd put myself in that category of every year I check in, every year I hope it's going to be a good year. Every year I hope there's something to be excited about. But, you know, in the down years, in the years I don't know what the hell's going on, I, you know, take a step back. I, you know, I go, all right, Eagles are coming up, Phillies are, Flyers are coming up, whatever. Then there are the people who would be attracted to the team if there's something exciting, if there's a good storyline. And I feel like we're putting the majority of fans in that group. We're saying, oh, this team wasn't exciting enough. And Gene says, oh, the 2007 team was exciting. And, you know, that's why we don't have this big turnout of support for the Phillies. And I'm going to counteract that, and I'm going to say the majority of regular Philadelphians are in the fourth category of bandwagon fans. Wow. Like, when it comes to baseball, that's just true. And you, you can say, okay, they've been a bad team for years. You know, the first team to 10,000 losses and all that good stuff. And, you know, there is that contingent of diehard fans. There is that contingent of people like me who check in every year. There is that contingent of people who go, I hope this team is fun. Please be fun. If the majority of the fan base were in those top three groups, there would have been a good following this year. But there isn't, you know, in 2007, that was a hell of a run. 2008, the ballpark should have been sold out. It wasn't. This team wasn't popular until 2009. OK, yeah, the, the, the Citizen Bank was sold out during the playoffs. But, you know, we always joke Phillies fans since 08. We're not talking early in the season 08. We're talking like September of 08. You know, Philly is not a baseball town. Oh man, I don't know. That's some some harsh harsh words there. That's dude. Chuck hot take ciders for you. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. Like, I disagree with you a little bit. I mean, I think the fans were there in in '07, and, and when Jimmy said the team to beat thing, I think they got people kind of fired up, and um, you know, got the anti Mets thing going on, and, and, and people were into it. I think what people like is stuff that didn't happen this season. I think when you think of Philadelphia and how we like our sports teams, it's like you want uh, you want good – at least when it comes to the Phillies, you want good fielding, good decisions, aggressive play, aggressive on the base paths, aggressive at the plate. We like, you know, hard-nosed, like Charlie Hustle kind of stuff. And that's not this team. No, this is not that team at all. And that was the 2007 team, and it was the 93 team. And that's why they're like, you know, every person that's ever played for those teams is on our wall of fame. Right. And Kevin Stocker's in the, <laughs> in the booth. <laughs> With Kevin Jordan. And, and, I mean, I may or may not have a Doug Glanville tattoo. <laughs> that's for you folks to decide. It is one of those two options. You either do yeah. or you don't have a Doug Glanville tattoo. <laughs> Which you, I think, by that description, he fell out of that. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Uh, Manny Machado, uh, why why does he want to come to Philly? I don't think he does. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but if he did want to, what would be uh, like the best selling point? Money. That's it. 
Well, I mean, someone should make the argument that we're a great baseball town outside of me. <laughs> yeah, you would not be the person I would nominate to do that. We are, I believe, a good baseball town. And if you talk to any of those guys that were on those beloved teams, they will tell you that there were times during their runs that the fans carried them. They'll, they'll put it in those terms. Uh, they will say that the way that this city can get behind a team can really energize a team that in and of itself would be a reason to come here i think that he got a little taste of it when he came into town and we we gave him those those big ovations i think that at the end of the day that feels like so long ago it does it feels like it was a lifetime ago i think at the end of the day what machado was looking for is i think he's looking for a situation where he can stay competitive for a long time um, I think that the situation he was in in Baltimore, from what I've read, was hard for him to stomach. Rockies are currently leading the Phillies 9 nothing right now. How many games are we going to give up 10 runs? Real quick, I did bring that up earlier in the show, and you're like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I just got the alert. I was looking up the thing, and I just got the alert again. Good Why the TV in I apologize. So, Dave, let me turn around to you. What do you think, Manny Machado aside, what do you think about, and maybe a little bit about baseball in general, what do you think... Yeah is the main reason why players are moving at all anymore. What do you think the big selling point for a big free agent going anywhere is? What do you think the main draw is? Do you think it's something other than money? Um, hmm. No. But some players do have options, right? I mean, when Cliff Lee was a free agent and the Yankees desperately wanted him, uh, you know, he elected to come to Philadelphia uh, I think maybe for slightly less money. Because, I mean, if you but, think yeah, about I it. Mean, it's not like basketball, right? Like basketball is you want to play with your friends. You want to play with your friends. You want to play where there's cachet, um, where, right. where there's prestige. Uh, because I think that this is the problem. There are certain franchises, and we all know who they are. They're Dallas. They're New York. They're Manchester United. There are certain franchises globally that have – that one step above that 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 brand that is bigger than whatever sport they're in. Do you think that there's something about the Phillies? Certainly, there was. I think in 2009, 2010, that put you right in comp- competition with the Yankees or uh, the Red Sox, where you could say, "Hey, we're as big of a destination as those places are. We can write a check as big as any of those places right now." But if I'm Bryce Harper, why am I going to come here versus the one of those other places where you have that cachet? I have no idea. I have well, no idea. I, I think Philadelphia in general, we have that reputation. I think, you know, part of my little diatribe against Philly as a baseball town is that, you know, Philadelphia as a sports town has such a great reputation, such a well-earned reputation, 10 nothing. Colorado um such a great <laughs> reputation um so I think everyone sees the potential in the Phillies being the next big team in the market and everyone saw how how much the city came together in 2008 2009 uh 2010-11 around the Phillies that this can be a big market so that's that's what makes it attractive well, I think as a city, you know, we had these moments, right? We had we had the, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. We had Villanova winning a championship. 
another championship and then i don't know the the sixers had that had the, a great season mm-hmm. um and then the sixers off season happened and that was a major disappointment you know losing out on all the free all the big name free agents and now the Philly season, they're exceeding expectations. Now this collapse, now we're going to have hot stove coming up. And what is going to happen when we don't sign either of those guys? And I, I'm, I'm so nervous that that's... And prepare yourself for that. I'm so nervous that that's going to be the reality that we're going to get, we're not going to get the those two guys that this whole this whole plan has been 2019 the free agent class of 2019 that's why we're not spending any money because we're gonna we're gonna be able to get bryce harper we're gonna be able to get manny machado or we're gonna get both we're gonna get both guys everyone we're gonna get both both. real quick harper's not actually a free agent right he has one year left in the nats everyone's just presuming he's going right or is harper flat out a free agent i know machado is i'm pretty sure harper's a free agent yeah i think that they're both completely free i'm happy to be wrong but for some reason i thought he had one year left in uh in washington gene what do you what do you think about doing some end of season phillies awards okay oh i know we didn't uh we didn't talk about that before the show but it just kind of struck me so we can just who's your who's your who's your mvp I think that's the easiest one of the of the what these awards will be. I think the MVP is Aaron Nola. Yeah, I mean, you could like if you were saying like, oh, well, we'll give Nola the Cy Young or whatever. I think in a vacuum, if you look at his numbers, they would stack up against any good Phillies pitchers season. They may not be the best Phillies pitcher season. I think there are other seasons that were better, but I would say that he certainly could line up with somebody that was in the rotation in the last you know in the in that run in between 2009 and or 2007 and 2013 okay well who's your i don't know silver slugger best offensive player yeah let's call it that yeesh um i'm gonna go with the new catcher i know it's a small sample size but i'm gonna go with ramos i feel like for a person who when the chips were down if I wanted a guy that I needed to get a hit from in the last six weeks, that's the guy I wanted to plate. I feel like he was the one most likely to be able to put the ball not only in play, but maybe get an extra base hit uh, in a clutch situation. So I'm going to go with Ramos. That is a sad state that you're taking a guy that has only been here since August 15th, but I honestly can't think of a guy offensively that had the only other, maybe my, um, I mean, it's not mention. bad. I mean, Ramos did hit three forty one this season. So I mean, right. I mean, small sample size. The only person might be the the honorable mention might be Mikel Franco. He certainly exceeded what was expected of him. He had some injury problems. He was a little inconsistent. But in terms of if you look at what he put up uh, on a fairly regular basis, I think that you would say that he was better than expected. Which is I a- mean, no no love for Reese. I don't I mean, think 30, that he. I don't 33 think thirty-three homers. I think that he he had decent power numbers, but how? At what point during this season did Reese Hoskins carry this team? He uh, didn't. He like never. July. He never. <laughs> well, I want to jump, and I think Reese is, was the most consistent. When I'm thinking of it, everyone had small little stretches of. Maybe it was June. I don't know. One of those well, months but, he was poor. Reese. Um, 
was our most consistent um, offensive player throughout the year. And yeah, I did look it up. Of course, Harper is a free agent this year. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> for some reason I, I talked myself into the fact that he was moving this fall, but not a free agent. But um, no, I, I think Reese was by far the most consistent batter. Uh, I love Ramos. You know, he was great. Uh, Cesar Hernandez had his moments. Um, but Reese from beginning to end was our most consistent batter. Um, well, I mean, he was, <laughs> I feel like Reese is like super streaky, like beyond streaky. Like he's either having a great month or he's not. Well, who is better though? I mean, no, I, I, I mean, look, you 33 home runs, guys like that don't grow on trees. So, I mean, I think you can point to a lot of people in the lineup and go, oh, they had a stretch of, you know, two series, you know, I mean, even uh, I know how much you love uh, a double uh, Dave. Yeah. But, you know, he had a great early season. It's like, oh, I love us uh, some Odubel Herrera. But towards the end of the season, he wasn't even in the lineup half the nights. Um. Okay. You who who would you put in as your least valuable player? Can I exchange least valuable for the one that pisses me off most? Yeah, go yeah, Kingry? go for it, man. Could go Scott Kingry. Uh, yeah, that's a worthy. Uh, it's a worthy candidate. I mean, he has these flashes of brilliance, and then a whole bunch of mediocrity to, and uh, not even mediocrity, just bad play. You know from fielding to hitting to whatever. Well, I guess we have to include pitching now, don't we? Uh, <laughs> you know, he's just bad all around. And I think it pisses me off most because we'd have these stretches of two weeks. It's like, oh, you know, Kinring, uh, Kinring is a pretty good player. You know, he, he has some potential there. And it's like, nah, nope, you're wrong. He sucks. <laughs> like, you can't trust him to do a damn thing. So, yeah. He's the one that frustrates me the most. What think, do you guys think about Aaron Alt- Altair? Again, another small, uh, small-ish sample size. I had kind of a whole problem with the whole carousel that was right field this year. You had, and I still have yet to, I believe, yet to see Nick Williams and Alan, and uh, Altair in the same place at the same time. I'm not totally convinced they're not <laughs> the same person. Um, so, but I mean, it's really kind of been like a, a carousel in right field, like you know it's been maybe the most in flux position that's kind of generated some sort of product productivity. It's not even a platoon. It's just, it's a, whoever you can kind of managerial s- whim slide into that, that, Gabe, that start hole. Aaron. Tonight. <laughs> and then you've got nights where it's what Oduble over there and you've got uh Quinn in center. There's some bizarre mix and matches that is the outfield. Is Quinn the most uh, pleasant surprise? Yeah, he's my, like, rookie of the year, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he's got to play every day. He does. He's the most exciting player on most nights to me. He's the guy that I'm most excited to watch at his at-bat. I'm the most excited to see him play defense and the most excited to see him on the base pass. He he does a lot of things that I like in a player, um, contra to a lot of the other guys on this squad. Yeah, right, he, last he's award. Jimmy Rollins 2.0, except for the fact maybe. that he will run on, uh, run out base hits. Well, and, and maybe we won't be, you know, one of the bottom teams in 
steals if he can get it going. Uh, man, what the hell was the Trevor Plouffe experiment? The Trevor Plouffe experiment? <laughs> yeah, remember when Trevor Plouffe was on the team for like a little while? Like a five minutes? Uh, anyway, last end of season award. Uh, worst manager <laughs> uh, of the Phillies 2018 season. Who you got? <laughs> Are we just making up awards <laughs> to like? throw Gabe Kapler least, least valuable like, manager least valuable manager okay okay the nominees right. are <laughs> well I'm going Gabe he's okay, also my good. least valuable Gabe and my <laughs> least valuable Cap it's a good choice yeah solid choice right. I'm gonna go with Kapler but it's close uh I'm also gonna go Gabe Kapler so uh it's it's unanimous all right Dave well, what before we go if you could were called tomorrow and they fired Matt Clentak and they said, Dave, look, we fired Matt Clentak. We're handing the franchise over to you. Uh, you've got this off season to get us going in the right direction. What is the first thing that you do to redirect this franchise? I mean, after I fire Gabe Kapler. Well, clearly after you fire Gabe Kapler. I think the whole, the whole staff's got to go. And if you if we could somehow get J Roll on this coaching staff, I I would be very excited. If he was like a first base coach or something like that, that would get me really excited about this team. I know like more excited than it should be to have somebody on a managing staff. J Roll actually doesn't still think he can play, right? He's not I'm not sure kicking I'm around sure the minor league somewhere or thinking or he can make a roster, right? Yeah, and I, I know it's very like you know, Philadelphia Flyers of me to be like, I need a, I need a former player on the coaching staff. But I, I just think, remember when he came and spoke to the team and it did give him like an extra. It felt like it gave him a little bit of a boost. Yeah, it did. Oh, it it did. did. I, don't, I don't know how. What's that? I was saying it definitely did. It yeah. was we were in a bad stretch. J Roll came in. We won the next game, and there was a little you know pep in our step. The players played. You know, aggressively, it looked like the guys were having fun. You know, I I think you bring on someone like Jarrell, somebody who can go. You guys have no idea how fun this ballpark can be when you're winning. You know, somebody who can talk to the players from that perspective, as opposed to just you know pushing paper around like Gabe. That's what I would, I would go. To, I mean, not totally course correct because I think that there is room for. Um, some of that information that Gabe's gathering and handing digesting, to, handing to people to keep in their pockets. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I don't really hate that. But hey, can I ask a question? When, when, if you're looking at a player's metrics, right, and it, he typically hits the ball into the hole between first and second, uh, you know, an, an abnormally high percentage of the time. Um, so you shift into that. Does the batter ever like? Does the batter adjust and hit into the shift less? I don't know. You would think thereby that they making the shift sort of like why not as impactful. You mean like shift his physical body so that when he makes contact with the ball, it goes to a different place? Yeah, like hit to a hit directionally hit. I feel like power hitters have less control of that. You know, players that hit for you know, singles, you know, that they, they get just a base hit. 
the See Tony Gwynns of the world. What was that, Gene? The Tony Gwynns of the world. But are we just basically saying, like, the hitter hits how the hitter's going to hit, and everything else around him in his environment has no impact on his approach to the plate? No, I, di- I disagree. I, I'm saying that your Tony Gwynns, to, to go with Gene's example, uh, a guy that can see the ball coming in and go, this is where I'm going to try to put it. You know, that they can try to hit for the gap. They can try to pull it a little right, pull it a little left. If if your tendency is to hit that hole, or the batter's tendency is to hit the ball in that hole, by virtue of shifting to defend that, you are thereby reducing the odds that the hitter is going to hit the ball into that hole. No, and and I... I agree. I think it works for someone. I hate to pick on Ryan Howard, but he's the one I always think of when I think of the shift is your power hitter is going, I'm looking to make contact. I'm looking to drive it to this part of the field. And I don't give a shit about the rest of the field. It's I'm either going to get myself a double or get myself a home run. Yeah, I always thought Ronnie Howard's approach to the plate was I don't care where you where, where you're standing. My plan is to hit it over all of you. So yeah, exactly. exactly. Stand wherever you want because I'm going to put it into the second deck. So yeah, yeah. Whereas a, right. a more nuanced hitter is going to go, you know, if I choke up on the bat a little more, I can drive it a little right. I can drive it a little left and get around the shift. That was always my problem with the shift. I think the more interesting question is, why hasn't a general manager built a baseball team that has no interest in power? Why haven't... A, huh. why isn't a there, game's working on it. Why haven't they found nine <laughs> guys that can just go station to station and have two-and-a-half-hour innings and just, you know, not make an well, out? Well, if, if there's a way we can walk in every run, Gabe would be all for that. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to derail that whole end of the uh, the episode here. But, okay, final thoughts. How did the 2018 Phillies make you feel this year? Hmm. Uh, all right, I'll start on that. Um, the short answer is, huh, I'm trying to think of the whole season. I was going to say frustrated. But you know what? For April, May... June and July, they made me happy. You know, so for, what was that, uh, four months out of the year, I was happy. I got to enjoy baseball again. I got to follow every night. I got to hope that, you know, my team was going to win the pennant. So on the whole, the 2018 Philadelphia Phillies made me happy, followed by two god-awful months of frustration and anger. Gene? Initially, I want to say that this team started off with a disappointment because I remember very early on in the offseason, there was a rumor that went out that Chase Utley had been offered the job to manager this team. That That's he was not true. Offered Is that to true? Put, I've, you know, maybe it's urban legend, but um, Chase Utley was offered the job to, ma- to be the manager of this team, and he said no. I'm going to return to Los Angeles. I'm going to. No, I I did hear that, Gene, that Chase Utley was in the back seat of the car with a hook on his hand and was like tapping on the window. <laughs> and like, turns out the call was from coming from inside the car. But I don't think that was an urban legend. I do think that was true. He could have come back to the Phils. But go on. So if there is any truth to that, it's disappointing the fact that I 
you know, we had a different, uh, a different former player because at that point Chase would have been a former player on the bench. But, um, you know, maybe to sum up my feelings on this team, much like Chuck, there was so many points during the season that gave me a real buzz about why I'm a baseball fan to begin with. Um, but I will say this, this team more than any other Phillies team made me dislike the team I follow. There were so many points where they just did things that I don't like in the team that I follow. They didn't play fundamentals well. They didn't play good defense. So even nights when they would be winning, I would be like, ah, but they've given away so many runs. They've given away so much opportunity. So what I feel about this team is they have an unlimited amount of potential. And I feel like we squandered a real opportunity in a weak year for the National League to actually maybe arrive ahead of schedule. So there's a uh, that that twinge of of feeling let down that we squandered an opportunity. But I'm optimistic because I do believe that there are more good things in this roster than there are bad things and that with the right person it could be directed in a positive way. I'll Real quick, say, eleven nothing, Colorado going, Dave. I will say that this Phillies season has left me completely empty. Hmm. This team was like a a zombie, uh, just walking through a field looking for I don't know what it's looking for. It had no passion behind it. It had no emotion. Zero players were ejected from a game this season. Zero coaches were ejected from a game this season. Gabe was not ejected from a single game this season. No member of the Phillies gave a damn enough to argue anything enough to be ejected from a game this season. And that's something that you know we've talked about here before. Uh, and you may not think it's important, or whatever, but um, the, it just this team was so lifeless that there was no joy in winning and there was only misery in losing. And I hope to never have to cheer for another Phillies team that gave so little. The, the best moment, the best moment of this entire baseball season for me as a Phillies fan was the home run derby. <laughs> I mean, there was not one night that I had more fun watching a Phillies player than watching Reese in the home run derby. That's a very good point. That was a really fun night. That was fun and didn't mess up his swing. We were all concerned about uh, messing up his swing. Well, that's because, you know, he's surrounded by a team of Bobby Abreu. So, you know, (laughs) it's it's not unreasonable to think that he could have twisted up his swing. There you go. That's why no one's at the park. That's why no one's watching. That's why your team doesn't care now in September. That's why they couldn't get it done. And now we get to watch the Braves play in the postseason. <laughs> Hate the Braves. We get to watch the Yankees and the Red Sox. <sighs> FYI, 12 nothing. 
uh, Colorado. I don't even know I how they can score runs this fast. It'll be twenty nothing. Yeah. Um, a little, uh, a little bit of um, sh- what is it? Schadenfreude for you, Chuck? Schadenfreude. Yeah. Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh yes. <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks were in first place in the NL West on April first, May first. July 1st, August 1st, and September 1st. Not going to the postseason. They have been eliminated. I'd rather be an Arizona Diamondbacks fan, to be honest, at this point. I bet you that team's a lot more fun to watch. (laughs) I think I would, too. Like in, In a vacuum, I'd say it's more painful. But since it was more painful, that means you were invested longer. That means that... You know the team was better, but but it's not us. So uh, uh, fuck you, D backs. <laughs> you right. do it more than Give we. Give us did. that explicit rating, Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> well, we didn't use it. I know we put it on there, but we don't use it. All right, <laughs> uh, let's sign off. Final thoughts. Great. All right, everybody. This is your. <laughs> this is your reminder to please. Like, review, subscribe to the podcast, please. It really helps other people find the show. Please uh, uh, follow us on Twitter at Potadelphia. Visit us on our website, Potadelphia.com. I don't have anything else to plug. We're normally here every Monday. This is a yeah. This has been yeah, a we'll... very Philly special, but tune in on Monday when we're talking about uh, probably mostly gritty. about we're the gonna Eagles. We're going to talk gritty. And we're going to talk gritty. gritty. We're going to talk. No, it's not going to all be gritty. Yeah, we will. We will uh, touch we're on talk gritty. About gritty the whole time. We'll sprinkle gritty in. We'll have just enough grit. We'll yeah. We'll review the uh, the 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 Eagles uh, trip to Tennessee. I'm sure we'll have more Flyers talk. The Sixers will do something. I'm sure. Sixers will do something. So uh, we'll see you Monday morning. Uh, and uh, enjoy your uh, your Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>